How you doing, Larry? I'm fantastic. How are you? Not too bad. It's good to finally be able to chat with you. How is uh, Vancouver life treating you? Well, it's a beautiful city, and it's been a great year, you know, with everything going on, and especially the Olympics. It was great to be part of that. Uh, that was a blessing in disguise. And uh, I, don't, I don't think there's any place more beautiful in Canada, personally. It's actually quite ironic that the Winter Olympics took place in the city. It's our least sort of wintry city, I think, <laughs> uh, of any Canadian city, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Let's uh, talk a little bit uh, for some of the people that are uh, becoming fans of you. How did you get your start in acting? Uh, you've racked up some impressive credits over the past 25 years, everything from Vancouver TV genre series outside of Stargate to theatrical films like Saw and Shooter and stuff like that. Well, I was in high school. I was a kid who grew up uh, kind of, a, I had a rough childhood. My dad died when I was 11. I, uh, I uh, then grew up in a welfare system in Ontario, Canada with my mom and sister and um, started working at a very young age, 11 to be exact, and just sort of uh, was big into sports and was living my life pretty much as a free man by the time I was 11. I was pretty independent. And uh, unbeknownst to me, you know, growing up in that community, I just sort of was immersed in multiculturalism to a degree that probably was different in the sense that I literally would stay with different families for periods of time, different cultures, different aspects. And I'm only telling you to give you that kind of a backdrop into what I think and eventually one thing led to another. So by the time I got into high school, it kind of didn't matter that I was there. Certainly my mom, who didn't speak a word of English, could care less. I was working factories and stuff like that. And... Uh, some girl in high school thought I kind of had a cool look. She said, Matt Dillon, the Outsiders at the time. I remember that being a reference. And I was like, oh, that's cool. But I was kind of, like I said, the little street then. And I was just like, whatever. But she said, there's this open casting call. You should go check it out and be an actor. And I was like, I had taken some theater. And I think I did it more just to sort of easy credit escape. It was something that was kind of cool. But I think subliminally, it was a good way for me to, to have dealt with, you know, psychologically with my sort of childhood stuff. It allowed me to release anger. I could be angry in a classroom and say, it's good acting or whatever, or whatever the emotion might be. And uh, I went in, and it was a woman named Diane Pauly, who's Sarah Pauly's mother, casting it. And it was a film called Return of Billy Jack. Mm-hmm. And from that audition, I, I got this one-day part, but I also got this casting director to say, I'm going to get you an agent. And that was Toronto, 1984, I believe. Uh, might be six, I think. And from then on, I just sort of uh, have been doing it ever since and, and learning it in a very blessed way, which is falling on your face right on film and, uh, you know, sucking away and uh, <laughs> gradually chipping away. And uh, having and, and the thing, again, I told you why growing up in the multicultural, I think the biggest strength that I've had is the, is has been versatility and the ability to sort of do very different types of films and genres, which is still my favorite thing. It was always an escapism for me, right. you know, and that's my personal favorite. My actors, I'm not big on the uh, celebrity slash personality actor. I'm a big fan of the Meryl Streep's and the De Niro's and the Pacino's who, although they've become sort of archetypes of themselves at this point, they've de- well deserved it in my opinion. Right. They, uh, they were brilliant and are brilliant actors who certainly showed a lot of range in their career. And that's always been my temp- personal template for, uh, for uh, why I wanted to be an actor. And at some point along the way, it went more than just going, hey, look, now I'm making some money. I can actually take care of my mother and get her out of the ghetto and all that stuff. And it became about, wow, I can actually make an impact with my work. I can be part of something that makes a contribution to society. And, uh, and that's sort of a, a, another thing that I try, certain roles I try to explore 
certain aspects of, of humanity. Um, with the young thing, I was thinking about it even today, it's the idea that there's a certain percentage of people out there who are beyond sort of in an unhappy state with their job, with their life, with their uh, soul. There's something inside of them that's been deadened. And uh, it's, 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 you get up and you still have to get up and you still have to do your thing, but something's missing and it's all about a person uh, trying to find that spark, that re-ignition that we all are able to find and have the ability to and how, what that process is. And I thought that's an interesting perspective, especially for this particular show, which the you know, other two franchises that were before us were very, very different. I, I was a big fan of SG-1, um, but I was very drawn to the idea that they wanted to do a reincarnation. And I know along the way people are going, wait a minute, where's the old show? But, you know, to that, there's 15 years of that show. Right. I'm, uh, I'm very proud to be associated as an actor or something. Or else you would just be the guy doing the same show, the third version of. Mm-hmm. This has been a very different experience for me personally, and I think... Uh, Overall, uh, this particular character for me has been a real... It's not an easy mindset to actually be. I'm kind of the joker on set. You know, I'm called Papa Smurf. Oh, I'm yeah, sort yeah of, we'll be talking about that. Yeah, I'm sort of the larger-than-life <laughs> guy. So to sit in the skin of someone who's sort of, sort of the product of his own sort of upbringing, the militant kind of in a box, is, uh, is really a, 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 an interesting challenge for me personally. Uh-huh. So that, uh, which was Brad and Robert's pitch to me, that that would be the concept of the, of the new Stargate, uh, and the name Robert Carlyle were the two things that drew me to the show. Right. You've done, like I said, mainstream roles, and you've yeah. also done genre roles, but having spent so much time in Vancouver on the different series that you've been on besides Stargate, do you tend to gravitate either way in terms of the roles that you choose to do? No, you know, I'll be very, very honest. My career has not been one of picking and choosing. It's been about a, you know, a kid who goes into audition and gets the role. Uh, very few things have been sort of handed to me, and so it's not, I'm not in that position where, you know, I, um, I'm an actor, A, trying to make a living. Uh, my second thing that, 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 that happened is I try to find a thing for me personally, a humanity within the character, or I'm looking for something that I kind of haven't done. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the ideal criteria. I mean, you know, Johnny Depp's got the dream career, greatest, you know, actor job ever, you know what I mean? But for me personally, I look at uh, going, is this, something that I've done or haven't done, and sci-fi was something that I really hadn't done. I, uh, I did two days of Star Trek Voyager and told myself I'd never do sci-fi again, but that was because I was a holographic tree with a latex suit on for 16 <laughs> hours and I couldn't use the bathroom. <laughs> I mean, I was, uh, I was literally um, trapped, and that was, like, pretty insane. Right. I'm not... With my ADHD, probably not the best guy for a four-hour sit-down makeup session. Not a tree, at least. No, my yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, let's talk about the SGU casting process. How did that come about? Um, this came out during the pilot season, and um, I got a call about it. I actually went in my first audition quite ill and thought, well, that'll say goodbye to that one. And then um, they said, well, no, we're going to bring you back in. I came back in for a second audition, and then we, I tested. And I tested with Robert Carlyle and, uh, I, guess, I guess, against three other guys. But it was interesting because I have a whole Vancouver story, which was like I, I'm also one who's fairly uh, – I'm spiritual. And I was like, I need some sort of sign because I had just spent five years in Toronto going through a custody battle for my son, who I now have full custody of. I was sort of had not had not worked in 2008. It was kind of a, a rough, rough year, and it was time to go back to LA because I had my son now, and it was like this is where you where you got to be. So I had just been down there for three months, and then this audition came up, and I was like, I need some sort of 
things that I, you know, I could be here and do I want to stay in L.A. and take my son into school and now move him, all that kind of stuff. So when I first came to Vancouver and I was, you know, I, was, I think it was like uh, I did 21 Jump Street here mm-hmm. back in the day, you know, and uh, as, you know, uh, a city, I fell in love with it immediately and I was like, this would be such an awesome place. And I went right down to that uh, Don Johnson character in Miami Vice, Crockett, with like, if you had a boat, you could live on a boat in the city because it's mild enough and it's certainly beautiful. And it was just sort of in the back of my head going, that's a dream. And along the way, you have your dreams. I, I, you know, now I, I was like, there's no way I'd want that. But at, at the time, I remember thinking that that could be, that would be an amazing thing to have. And I'm not kidding you, the following day after I sort of put that question out there in the universe, I wake up to uh, find a boat that's just been abandoned in front of my house, which is in the middle of like, Valley Village, which is basically the valley in L.A. Mm-hmm. And there's this boat just sitting there. And I'm like, that's crazy. And I told my girlfriend some of the story at the time. And I was like, and they're like, yeah, you got to go test. Oh, the question was, should I go test for it? And so I went in and, uh, you know, I had a great time with Bobby and loved what they, when they sat me down and told me the type of show they were going to do, the style of the filmmaking and, and things. And uh, I was like, yeah, that sounds amazing. And I think I had to wait over a week before I actually found out, and it was around the Christmas time. So it was, a, it was, a, it was great to be cast in it. And uh, my first reaction was like, am I, am, I, am I old now, old enough to be a colonel? <laughs> Which Brad Wright assured me, oh, yeah, no problem. Uh-huh. Which <laughs> I was like, really? Yeah. I think in my own head I got some other version. Uh, but it's like, uh, it, was, uh, it was great. And, I, and I'll tell you, this has really turned out to be... Having, I'm sort of the veteran of the TV series. I think I'm up to about 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was everything, more than anything else, I've always believed that a set could be run, no matter how difficult the show, no matter how challenging. You can be on a set which is a family, which is no egos, which is people working together, enjoying themselves, knowing it's not brain surgery, and just doing the work. And it really is the first time where from every department, uh, it, it's, it's, it's been, that's the gift. That's something I actually believed in, because I've had experiences along the way, which that certainly wasn't the case. To have that all come together and to have this group of people uh, has been like, uh, I, I, can't, I, I can't tell you anything, but just to say, it's, it's, I know how blessed I am to, to be part of this family. And I think part of that is that Brad and Robert had had this family for a very long time. I mean, uh, to have a franchise of any sort for 17 years in this business is, you know, quite the feat to begin with. Right. So there's this built-in family that we were all blessed to come and be part of, and then the actual, this new group of people, this cast are terrific. And it starts with Robert Carlyle's number one on the call sheet, mm-hmm. being the most humble, uh, giving, uh, thoughtful uh, man. And from that, he's just the brilliant actor that he is. So it's, that's, uh, that's a gift. We're just a short time from season two, uh, but let's just briefly chat about Young and season one as a whole. Looking at his journey from Air Part 1 to Incursion Part 2, what plot and character developments were you happy with? Um, how would you like to see him fleshed out? Or, you know, if it's easier for you, how stressed is Young at, you know, having to keep this tenuous military-civilian peace going 24-7? Well, I think he, you know, I goes, it's so uh, what I love is, uh, what I do love is the dimensions and the layering of the, all the characters, not just Young, but for Young specifically... The challenge is, I think that you are on this particular spaceship going, holy, you know, it, it's not some gleaming, shiny, fantastic, futuristic, fun place to be, really. 
And amidst that, he's got his own personal problems. I think he's, he's figured out just a little too late that perhaps the relationship with his wife needed a little bit more attention. That's a failure. <laughs> he figured yeah. out just a little too late that he would have loved to have been a dad. And maybe this, this, that, the baby and what that represents, that new spark, that's what I was talking about in the beginning. That's the spark at the very end, just knowing that, that he could potentially be a father, I think, would reignite him. Uh-huh. Uh, because I think that's a part of his soul, and that's why he's got the relationship he does with some of the characters. I think he is, and it's ironic, they call me Papa Smurf on set, which I now hold proudly. Uh, but initially it was like, what? And, but I think he does that. That young has sort of like, he's that father from almost the 50s that you hated, but in retrospect understood that he was really looking out for you. And he's almost got that kind of way about him. He's not there to impress you to look for your approval, to make you laugh, to make you feel better. He's there to get the job done mm-hmm. effectively. And uh, um, through that all, again, it goes back to the place where there's this real sort of uh, sadness, and now he's challenged, being challenged with everything else. If you're actually in a situation where you're stuck on a spaceship fighting for your life, fighting for basic survival, everything has been taken away from you, stripped away from you, and you were the commander, but you're looking in the mirror going, who am I now? What's going on? Does the, does the rules that apply on Earth actually apply here? Probably not. Why can't I change the rules? I'm, look at me. I'm programmed. What happened to me? All those kinds of questions start becoming uh, important as well. And it almost, you know, this, it almost, this season, you'll see the journey of him really sort of hitting rock bottom. Yeah, because it almost seems like some of the command decisions he made in the back half of the season you know, are suffering because of all the stress between Absolutely, Telford but that just and, did. You know, he's, he's starting to show the cracks. And, but one of the things I've always loved about this show, and this is Brad and Robert's idea, was that we are both the uh, protagonist and the antagonist, the hero and the villain. And it's that duplicity, that duality that we all have, that you can't have one without the other. And there's something kind of cool about that. I think it was always interesting that people were going to go, oh, I like Young. Wait, no, no, I, I hate him. Wait a minute, no, I think he's, got, he's a good person. No, he's not a, you know, all that kind of, not just with Young, again, with a lot of the characters that they could all sort of, and I think that's really true to sort of the reality of the situation. I mean, uh, personally, <laughs> you know, I, I'd love to see more people losing their, you know, where do you go? You just lose your mind on that. I mean, there would be people snapping. I mean, and to have the responsibility and to really know that at the end of the day, the best that he could do is try to get these people home and somehow be a victim to this particular character, Rush, which he needs. You know, and then he found Eli, and he's like, hey, I know what, I can abandon this guy, get Eli programmed so he can take over, and then realizing that maybe Eli's not quite ready, you know, is there's a helplessness in the situation as well for Young. I mean, he's not... He's, he's not on the ground uh, handling Icarus like initially with the pilot where he is in control of everything and able to really handle all of it. This is a whole, there's a lot of elements here that he's not uh, in control of, and I think as a control person, that, that really challenges him in, on a lot of levels. Mm-hmm. With the long shooting schedules that SGU has, it has to strengthen the friendship bonds with others in the cast. Do you feel like that translates to the screen as much as it can given the plot? Well, I think those are two different things. I think that um, if people were to see the actual relationship that were not, you know, there's a world that's being created that we've got to stay true to. Um, but I think, you know, uh, between takes, we're, uh, we're the best of friends and we're the, you know, but we're also there to do the job. But the dynamics of the show, I think in order to work, the conflict is, is key. So mm-hmm. uh, I think when they have to get, 
I think actors inherently know sort of the dynamics that have to happen between scenes, sometimes between characters, and it almost that's almost played out intuitively. It's almost like a, you know what I mean. It almost feels like this is what we. This is the energy that's got to be between us now for the next couple of episodes. So that's the energy I'll put out, and I think that it's that give and take that works for for you know scenes that when you see good acting, I think that that's definitely a part of the of the dynamic. If season one's theme was the loss of everything that's been in their lives before and learning to live in this new microcosm for the foreseeable future, what would you say are the major themes that are going to be coming into season two? I think uh, deeper relationships that uh, arise from what the very thing you said about just that camaraderie you would have with people over time, the, the fact that, I mean, it's not unlike a new civilization that's built from the ground up. I mean, we started from the ground up. We needed air. We needed water. And I think eventually, you know, I think that it'll it'll delve deeper into everyone's individuals uh, into individual stories. And I think also a big part of that is the sci-fi element, which is is always sort of puts out the bigger questions out there. You know, who are we? What are we here for? What is the purpose? And there's something very interesting about the ship itself, destiny, and what it represents, and what that has to offer. I can't give away much, obviously, but no. <laughs> I can tell you that's a very very big big part of season two is the destiny itself. Robert Nepper appears right off the bat as a Simeon the Lucian Alliance guy in the premiere in Intervention. Um, what dynamic does he bring uh, as a recurring guest star? Well, he's an amazing actor that ultimately, you know, I think that's like if you're watching a regular TV show, he's, he's uh, I don't want to say he's a villain, a fantastic villain. He was phenomenal in Heroes. In where? Heroes. He was on Heroes in the final season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, he's a phenomenal actor. I think ultimately what he does is he... He represents the threat, I think, very well of what the Lucian Alliance actually would be to someone like Colonel Young, who's got to, like you say, protect his own people. So he, what he embodies is the threat of this of the Lucian Alliance to me. Mm-hmm. It's watching a good guest spot, and you're like, that villain was unbelievable. You know, mm-hmm. he just, he, he, you know, he's got, he's just a wonderful actor. It keeps you coming back to watch. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Let's hope, not good. <laughs> uh, Brian, Elise, Elena, David, they've all started to hop onto the convention circuit. Are you game? Or are you thinking about it? Elena was talking about, uh, I saw her a couple of weeks ago in Chicago, and she was talking about you may be getting ready to uh, cross that threshold. Yeah, you know, the thing for me was, I, I kind of, I think, and you know, I'm speaking for myself, I just kind of wanted the show to be out a little bit more because I know that there, this transition phase, Let's put it this way. Um, I'm a sensitive person, and I, I, I know that I would rather be going somewhere where the idea is that people know the show and know the character, because I'm actually, like, you know, like I say, I love to have a good time. I don't want to be defending the show, feeling like I'm somehow taking away the show that these other people, you know, does that make sense? So yeah, no, I'm absolutely. just trying to be respectful to myself because what I want to do is just have a great time with people who actually like the, the, the SGU and just enjoy that. You so, know, I'll be honest. I know that those guys are having a great time doing it. So my thing is, um, wait until the water's focus, warm. Well, just, just sort of, uh, Olivia, maybe, but even more than that, it's more like I just having two seasons then makes sense to me because then you've, You've just had enough time to really get to know the characters a little bit more. Right. That's just a decision I'm making. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, you no. Know. Understandable. And like I said, even like I said, going to the conventions from prior to the premiere to the first handful of episodes and the reaction those were getting to once the back half of season one ended, I've actually you know seen and, and witnessed the, uh, the back and forth uh, and, and more um, warming and receptiveness 
of people too. People, yeah, and I've heard, and, that, and that's fantastic. It, it, and I, it's you know, getting I, better. Yeah, that's fantastic. But again, I think that part of it is this show is a drama set in space. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, I'm, we're not going to go up and like, you know, we don't have like, oh look, he's dressed up as an alien from that episode. You know, uh, that's going to be very hard to do with this show. And so I understand that part of that convention thing is that kind of dynamic. So if it gets embraced as, oh, well, no, this is, you know, then I think that that's something I would understandably uh, get more than, you know, because it's a, you know, the idea is that we're trying to create a good show that could be on any network that happens to be set in space. Right. And, and I think that's the, for me right now, it's, it's, I'm just trying to focus on that work and trying to bring, like I say, it's a different mindset. Like on the, the hiatus, I have three, four months. You know, I'm going to have a great time. When you're doing the show, there's a part of you that has to sort of embody the headspace. Exactly. And that's part of it, too. So breaking that and going away on a weekend and going to go, hey, let's, you know, I'd love to do some karaoke with the fans. <laughs> yeah, uh, that would be awesome. Yeah. Bowling, karaoke, I'm all about it. Let's DJ, go to bike ride, everybody. Exactly. Yeah, rock Scrabble band. in the board, yeah. Oh, yeah. Scrabble, let's play some charades. Mm-hmm. It'd be fun. Brian loves the rock band, I know that. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I was kidding. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, we'll wait and see on that. Um, yeah. If uh, you have been known kind of as the Joker on set here and the most unlike your on screen persona, are there any pranks that you've pulled that you'd be willing to share? Um, well, we had the fart machine for the entire pilot and, uh, and Elena and I were just, it was just great because I set it up everywhere over the gate room. So as people came through, away it went. And me and I were just laughing our butts off. And what's amazing about her is we must have been there for 15 hours that day because it was a pile and it took a little longer. No matter how many times I pressed that button, she would laugh the cutest giggle ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just I couldn't stop pressing the button just to hear her laugh. So that's one prank that's <laughs> awesome. And it's come back. Um, uh, the greatest prank uh, on Bobby uh, came in one day. And uh, some people from a different department had pulled uh, like what looked like surveillance cameras everywhere in his trailer. And he was paranoid. And he was like, <laughs> dude, there's surveillance. I'm like, what's going on? And so then I went into the uh, wardrobe trailer, and I realized that they were the people pulling the prank. And they had not only set up the cameras, but they had set it up so they had monitors in their room. Mm-hmm. And they had actually had uh, an image that they had taken a picture of and put it on the computer. But it was just a, one image. But it looked really, it looked like it was actually playing. Right. So I then said, okay, I'm in. So I went to grab Bobby at some point. I said, Bobby, I figured out where the stuff, there's, there's, there, dude, they're spying on you. They can see you and you change and all that. And I'm like, well, he's like, what are you talking about? I go, tell me. And I took him into the trail and I let him see all the surveillance equipment they had set up. And he's completely potted for a couple <laughs> of hours. And we just kept it going and going and going to the point where I was like, don't tell him. And they eventually, they ruined it because they were like, uh, they let it. I wanted to go all day with it. Um, you know, but it's the constant in and out. I mean, one of the things that we love to do is to go from like, you know, I'll be doing Ace Ventura Pet Detective just before. And I think the cast gets a kick out of just like the immediate shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uh, like I said, it's such a, a great group and a family. And during the whole uh, World Cup soccer. That was the other event that took place this year in Vancouver, which is an amazing place to be, was that uh, I, uh, Bobby and I decided to red card and yellow card people all along. Oh. So, uh, you know, if any appropriate comments or anything that was, you know, red card, yellow card, that was, mm-hmm. that was uh, some of the fun stuff we had. But we just, we just really, uh, I think, feel like we have a place to come to that's a safe environment, an environment that makes us uh, 
you know, and that's such a key thing. It's not always the case. You know, you always feel, not everyone makes you feel comfortable. Right. You know, and these guys, Brad and Robert, are true professionals, and I think we're so grateful and blessed. I, I'm just blown away by their, I, I mean, just to have employed a province, this particular, for with this franchise for as long as they have. To me, again, I can't say it enough. I just think it's it's. It's just not, it's unheard of. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually, you got back from summer hiatus about four weeks ago or so. Did you yeah. get a chance uh, over that time? Did you take it to relax or did you work on any other upcoming have, projects that we might no, see? No, I, I, I do something called Camp Data. Okay. Which I've been doing with my kids since I got divorced, since they were eight and two. They're now 17 and 11. And, uh, this year we did a cruise to Alaska, and basically I spend 24-7 with my daughter. I have full custody of my son, but my daughter comes in for the five weeks, and I spent the entire time with her, sleeping in a tent and just just bonding with that beautiful little girl is my, uh, just that, my princess, and I just, uh, it's, uh, that's the gift. That's the gift of being able to, like when you're, the enjoyment, be able to uh, be blessed enough. And I'm very aware, it's, it really is something that, it comes and goes. That's the profession that I've chosen. Right. So the, the idea is that when it does come, that you're able to enjoy uh, it, and that's what I certainly did this summer. I, we had a, we had a great summer, and the camp data was the best it was ever. I can say your kids are extremely cute. I actually have the Blu-ray of uh, 1.5, uh, where it has your featurette, where it talks about your day inside your trailer and all the pictures that you have up of them. And oh, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen any of that stuff. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're they're just great kids. I mean, I'm I just uh, they they really were responsible for a lot of my sort of character today, and that's that's another gift. And you're sort of you know in your 20s, you're like completely unaware. Mm-hmm. all that stuff and what kids can do to you so it's uh, i love being a dad yeah um any message that you want to give to fans of the show uh ones Thanks. that are you know i just want to say uh, you know uh, on behalf of myself and the entire cast and uh, and the crew in this group we uh, we can't uh, say thank you enough for for giving us a chance and sticking with something that i know is probably a little different for them so those who have stuck it out and have grown to like it we say thank you and uh uh, try, I, I think there's something wonderful in about not just bringing Stargate, but this genre to a wider audience because I think it it, it can touch people in a way that uh, does, is not necessarily true of every show. So I think that they're trying to create that is a, is an awesome uh, challenge and feat, and I think that uh, we're being supported by the fans uh, is just you know we can't be grateful enough. We you know a big a big thank you. 